We thank God for the privilege to have fellowship with you this morning. Praise God. Uh, I've worshipped in this temple before, but not from this side. So, it's uh, with great humility and with fear and trembling that we accepted the invitation from Senior Pastor a few days ago to come and take his pulpit. Uh, God bless you for the leadership for giving me this opportunity. I want us to bow our heads and talk to God for a minute. Ask the Lord to send his word personally to you. Let the entrance of the word bring light. Let it mix with faith that we will not be hearers only, deceiving ourselves. That we will arise from here this afternoon by the time we are closing service to go in obedience to God. That the rest of our lives might count to the glory and praise of his holy name. Father, we are grateful unto you for service this morning. Our fellowship is with you and with your son Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. We already sense your presence in our midst and we appreciate you. We ask this moment as we sit to look to the word of God together that the scriptures will open to us and become life. That Lord, you have your way in our midst. Touch every heart. Change our lives. Set us in motion to serve you all the rest of our lives. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Before I bring you the word of God, if you, I want you to pray one prayer as I was sitting down. Second Samuel, chapter 24. Just one minute. Let's beg God to do what he did in Second Samuel, chapter 24. From verse 15. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men of the people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. We are going to ask God, say, Lord, it is what? Enough. We beg you what? Restrain your hand and don't destroy your heritage. Just talk to God for a moment. Father, we beg you for the world. We know the world has defied your authority as the creator of the earth and as the one who has your word that must be obeyed. We know we have sinned against you. Our leaders have sinned. Our fathers have sinned. We ourselves have been disobedient. Therefore, the pestilence and the plague and the destruction that waste life is upon us. Lord, we beg you that you have mercy upon us. We ask, O oh Lord, that it is enough. Souls are perishing already. We beg you that you will restrain your hand, that you will not destroy this land in the name of Jesus Christ. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to, this morning, look briefly at living for Christ in times like this. When senior pastor asked me to come and take the sermon this morning, I was thinking that I was going to make my life easy by giving me uh, the sermon topic and the text. But he said, whatever the Lord lays on your heart, come and share. And uh, it, I had to go and pray about it. I was praying at this until Saturday morning at dawn. But I felt God said, go and talk to my people that it is time for them to live for Christ in times like this. So I sent it to him that 
this is what God wants me to talk about. And he said, it's okay. So the Bible reading that we already took, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 9, I would like us to study it briefly, um, as the Lord will help us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We read from verse 9, but I was, as I was sitting down there, the Holy Spirit took my eye quickly to verse 1. The verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a burden from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If we indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent, groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Help me tell somebody, we walk by faith, not by sight. For the just shall live by faith. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't know how many of us are ready to be absent and to be with the Lord. We are not yet ready. We are still preparing. Men like Paul Death was, could not threaten them. They were not afraid to die. They were ready to die anytime. And I want us to look at that life of Paul shortly so that the rest of our days we will live it purposefully. And if it pleases God to call us home, we will die the death of the righteous and will be present with the Lord. Because it is appointed unto man once to die, and death is something that we cannot avoid, except if the trumpet sounds, and those that are alive will be caught up with the Lord. But if the trumpet does not sound soon, certainly death is a surety. Particularly for those of us who want to go to heaven, is a passport. But how do we live our lives so that when we die, we will not be found naked and we will not be ashamed. So that when the coffin is brought in this temple and then we are praying and we say, may his soul rest in peace, we will not be speaking uh, presumptuously. We will be speaking with certainty that this brother, this sister is resting in Abraham's bosom and is with the Lord. We will not be like the rich man who died and found himself in hell and was now in, in serious trouble and was beginning to beckon to Lazarus from the other side to look for water if it was possible. Just a finger to dip in the water. If there's coronavirus in heaven, I don't know how you drink water from Lazarus. A poor man that have been living with no hygiene. But now, you need water from such a person. It already suggests to me that hell is a very terrible place. That I don't even want my enemy to go there. When you go there, you forget every hygiene. You forget about hand sanitizer. You will be so desperate for water that even if a madman can give you, can put his hand in water and put it in your you will be licking it. All the things that everybody is saying about hand sanitizer, wash your hand, don't shake. It will not work. 
I pray that we will not find ourselves in that place in Jesus' name. How to avoid that place is what this scripture is now beginning to, to show us as we look at verse 9. Paul was now saying, therefore, because there is a certainty that we will one day leave this body, whether through car accident, through sickness, through coronavirus, or through natural death, certainty we will leave this body to be with the Lord. He says, therefore, for this reason, we make it our aim that whether present or absent, we are well pleasing to him. My brothers and sisters, I want us, God, to help us to make it our aim, henceforth from here, that whether by life or by death, we will live a life that pleases the Lord. This is what people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, people like Joseph, they were confronted to choose between pleasing God and dying or living and living to themselves and disobeying God. Daniel decided that I have taken a decision and I have purposed. And I am ready to die. But I cannot live to displease God. I would rather obey God and die. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they stood before the Nebuchadnezzar and said, concerning this matter of compromise that you are bringing to us, we have made our mind. We have decided that we can never bow down to the world. We can't bow down to money. We can't bow down to, to corruption. We will never deny Jesus. We are ready to perish even if God decides not to deliver us. But we know he's able. He's what? Abundantly able to deliver and to save those what? Who have committed themselves unto him. But if he decides not, we will still not perish. We will not bow down. And the Lord showed himself faithful. When Paul began to speak like this, he says that we have therefore made it our aim. My brother, if you don't make it your aim to please God, it will not happen by accident. All the people that lived to please God, they purposed about it. They determined. They decided that over my dead body, that I would deny the Lord, that I will compromise. Sin. The devil does not force anybody to sin. He just give us an offer. It's an offer that you need to accept or you need to say no. He took that offer to Jesus three times on the mount. After God has declared that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, the devil said, let me try. And as he asked Jesus to bow, to turn stone to bread and all of those things, and Jesus saw the glory of everything and said, no, it is written. It is written. And Jesus Christ is our example. That God said we should look unto Jesus. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith. How did Jesus Christ live to please God? The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 9. That he loved righteousness. And hated iniquity. Therefore God anointed him with the oil of gladness. Above all his fellows. Jesus himself decided. He purposed to live for God. It was not by accident. It's not because he's Jesus. He was tempted at all points. He was human like us. But he decided that he would never bow to the devil. He decided that he would never compromise. He decided that he only do the will of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, he said, I came to do your will, O God. Sacrifices and burnt offerings, you are not interested. My brothers and sisters, God is not interested necessarily in our praise and worship and dancing. God has had enough of that from disobedient people. God, you see when Jesus appeared in John chapter 4 and he was having a discussion with the woman of Samaria. That discussion was very interesting as I was looking at the word of God yesterday. Jesus told the woman that give me to drink. 
And the woman started making all sorts of allusions why she cannot offer Jesus a drink. And as that discussion was going on, the woman now raised the matter. He said, you, the Jews, you said it's in Jerusalem that we must worship. But we, our fathers said we should worship on this mountain. So I noticed that that woman was a, was a believer. He was a worshiper. He is a Christian, so to speak. And he's now trying to tell Jesus that the way you people have become, make uh, you know, Christianity too strict. Somebody say, if you don't do that, you don't do that, then you are not a Christian. If you don't do that, no, it's not as that. Our fathers have told us that all you need to do is what? Is to find a mountain there and what? And worship. As the discussion was going on, Jesus now said, go and bring me your husband. And that is what opened the discussion of the woman. The woman said, I don't have any husband. And Jesus said, you don't have a husband. And you are a worshiper. And there are five men that you alone, you are sleeping with. And as I'm talking, there's one who is also still in your house that you are going to cook food for to eat and you are not married. And when that discussion was concluding, that was what my interest. Jesus said, the time is coming, and that time is what is now. That God is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. The time in which we live now, God is looking for those who worship God in spirit and in truth. There are too many Pharisees and too many hypocrites filling up the church. And the time in which we live now, where there's no security. Nobody knows how this coronavirus is going to, to travel if God will not arise to have mercy on us. All the, you know, if, if you look at the internet, it's, it's very serious. All the conferences that are slated for me uh, to attend right from, from February to end of April have just been cancelled. You just get an email say, this one is cancelled. This one is cancelled. This one is cancelled. Just Friday, the one that is supposed to be April 21st to 24th, they said in Germany, they have decided that we should not have any meeting for eight weeks until somewhere May before. There's already fear and trembling everywhere. Whilst we are on our knees begging God that he will have mercy on us, if God decides not to have mercy, then I think it is correct for us to be ready to prepare for home. Unfortunately, sometimes it's not this coronavirus. Two weeks ago, one of my colleagues, my mate in the university, we were in a Kuafu hall together, 1997 to 2000. In 1999, I felt God wanted me to become the JCR president of a Kuafu hall. When I was competing, he competed with me. He lost, I won. He became our position leader. We now ended up being lecturers at the university together. Is a senior lecturer. He's become the internal auditor of the university, Dr. Ibrahim Bedi. Very fine gentleman, an auditor, accountant by excellence. Just two weeks ago, very strong, just sent an email to the whole university, giving us some instructions about new regulations on taxing and how they are going to tax or withholding tax 20%, all of that. And many professors and lecturers were sending emails to say, no, 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 we're holding taxes 10%. Why are you saying 20%? And the whole thing was becoming an argument. It's back and forth on our platform. I thought that as an economist, I needed to investigate to see, is it 10% or 20% we should pay? So I made contact with GRA, and I was trying to say, there's this confusion. In Cape Coast, they are paying something. KNUS are paying something. Legon, our internal auditor said, we must now pay this. And many people are up in arms as if to fight him. When I got the information and I felt that I should call him as a brother and say, brother, uh, this thing that you are trying to introduce, can you, check, can you check this? As I got to campus and I parked my car, somebody came to me and said, oh, Bedi is gone. I said, he's gone where? He said, he's died. How did he die like that? See, he came to work 12 o'clock. He went for lunch break. He came back to his office. 
he was in the office and the secretary was there outside there. The secretary heard that. She was shouting, leave me alone, leave me alone. And by the time they went there, it's like if somebody has strangulated him and he's vomiting and he's dying. And they carried him to Legon Hospital. Before they get there, he's dead. And as I come, he's gone. Immediately, I saw that <laughs> death, you don't need to be sick to be in Kolebu before you die. It can happen right in your office. It can happen anywhere. Even when you are taking a journey from here to Kumasi, it can happen. How prepared are we to go home? And how confident are we to meet the Lord when we shall appear before Him? So Paul said, verse 10, that the reason why we should make it our aim to please God is because we must all with no exception. Each one of us sitting here this morning, we, will, we must, is a must, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what has, he has done, whether good or bad. That the way we are living our lives, what we are doing in this body with the time that God has permitted us, we are certainly going to give account of it. Whether good or bad, whatever a man sows, the same shall he reap. There will be a time of reckoning where God is going to reward us according to the way we have lived our lives. Whether good or bad. So if we decide that we will listen to all the preaching, but we will still live any way it pleases us, God is going to call us into account one of these days. And because of this, Paul said that we know the terror of the Lord. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Almighty God. I've never gone to court before, but during the trial of the, you know, the 2012 elections, when Atuguba was sitting in the chair and uh, some people were found of contempt of court. I don't know whether you remember. Some people who think they can speak anyway, anyhow. And then Atuguba, they sent them to appear before the court. I saw that it's a fearful thing to stand before the judge. <laughs> people started apologizing profusely because they know that they can go to Insaom immediately. But then I began to imagine how terrible it is to stand before the Almighty God and to fall into His hands. So Paul said, it's a certainty that if we should appear before God and it is determined that we live our lives for ourselves anyway, anyhow, as we please, as if we own ourselves, it will be a terrible thing for us. So because of that, we make it our aim to please God. My prayer is that in the midst of these uncertainties that our world is going through, we are just coming from uh, many, many troubles in the world. It's as if the time is getting close for the Lord to appear. That we will not be careless. That we will we will begin to put our house in order to prepare to meet the Lord. And how do we do that? The verse 15, 14 and 15, Paul began to now tell us that the way to appear before God boldly, confidently, without shame and without fear is for you to live for Christ. So it says that the love of Christ compels us because we judge that if one died for all, then all died. I will explain that briefly. But it says, he died for all. How many of us believe that Jesus died for us? I believe so. He died for us. Now, if you believe that Jesus died for you, then Paul is saying, the reason why he died is that 
those of us who now live should live no longer for what? For themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. I don't know how you are living your life, but this scripture is a very compelling scripture to me. There are two issues that I'm seeing here. One is the, you know, the, the leg on which you are standing. One leg that will help you to be able to meet God unashamed is the fear of God. I've come to realize that people don't fear God these days. Our world now, if when I ever travel to Europe, and I see the way they dare God. You know, they, they have satanic temples and all of that. There are people who have just decided that we will be gay, we will be lesbian, we will be homosexual, whatever you like. They speak to God in the face to get away from them. They go for parade. You know, they say it's a pride, pride something. I was in London recently with my wife, you know, we couldn't go out. When we were going to go, my wife just, she wept and wept and wept. You see thousands of people who are out of their mind and they are displaying that they are gay and homosexuals. And some of them are wearing pampas because they are leaking. They, you know, they go to the shop to wear pampas. They are doing what is not convenient. That they themselves know that is not correct. That animals will not do. They say we should not speak about it because it's human rights. This human right thing now is part of the problem we are having in our world. And they were in their thousands. I traveled to Germany the last time in Berlin. They were in their thousands. They take over the street. They are carrying their flag and they are just daring God. Whatever you can do, do and let us see. When people did that in the days of Noah, God arose. He came to tell Noah, that I will do something that will surprise everybody. And he brought the flood. When the flood was, before the flood was coming, no one started preaching righteousness. You people should stop what you are doing. You know, repent. Repent. God is going to bring his rod down. They laugh. They laugh. And no one was preparing the ark. They used to think he's out of his mind. Until the day that he started drizzling. They thought it's a normal drizzle. The thing continued for one hour. The whole day. And then it became serious. For days, for weeks, everywhere was filling up. Everywhere was filling up. People started climbing mountains, trees, and everything was covered. Until the whole earth was swept away by the flood. And God says, as it was in the days of Noah, that's what is going to be again. So whilst we are preparing, thank God uh, we are in the ark, this ark temple. I pray that we are safe in the ark in Jesus' name. I pray that we are safe. I don't know how the Holy Spirit... I pray that we are safe in this ark. Because this is the ark that will save us from the turbulence and the destruction that is about to happen. One of these days, we will observe something that has never happened before. Many people don't have faith to believe that what God has said in His word will come to pass. It will come to pass. I was sitting with one learned man about two months ago or so. She was, he was telling me why hell does not exist and heaven does not exist. And this is an educated man in the Methodist church. I spent hours with him to bring him to an understanding that it exists for sure. And it will certainly happen that those who disobey God, they will find themselves in hellfire. And those of us who decide to obey God, certainly Jesus has promised to go and prepare a place for us. And he will come and take us. It's the Father's pleasure to what? To give us the kingdom. It is his pleasure to give us the kingdom. May the Lord help us. As I look at that scripture, Paul said, the fear of God, the terror of the Lord, because we know that we will appear before him, he puts us in order. He helps us to live with the fear of God. And that fear of God will help you not to live in sin and not to live for yourself. But as if that is not enough, the love of God, the love of God, even if I don't fear God, when I look at what God has done, 
anytime I look at Calvary and I look at what happened at Calvary, I can only love Jesus. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite songs is that song that uh, is it the Daughters of Grace Jesus. I don't know what they say. So, So I pray that the love of God, the love that God demonstrated is enough to help you live for Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They discuss in heaven, how do we save these people from this situation there? Once Adam and Eve fell and gave the authority to Satan to control us, and to put us in bondage and in slavery that we could no more control ourselves. God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they had a conference and said, how can we help these people? Sacrifices and burnt offerings will not take away sin. You can kill all the sheep and the blood of sheep, the blood of lamb is not possible to take away sin. How can we save them? Jesus agreed that I will go and save these people. I will be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus Christ, even though equality with God was for his possession, he humbled himself and took the position of a mere man, a little below the angels, God created and he was born by Mary. And when he came, he had one purpose, to live to please God. At age 12, he started telling his parents, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? He continued all the way. In John chapter 9, he said, the, the, the night cometh that no man can work. I must work the work of the father who sent me. And once he has agreed to now go to Calvary, to go and die for our sins, we now experience something that happened. That in Gethsemane, Jesus Christ was now looking at the agony of carrying the sins of this world. But as the sins of this world, there are many. The kind of terrible things that people are committing. All the wickedness. The Father was presenting a cup to Jesus to drink it. And in that Gethsemane, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. He, you know, it was the most difficult time for him. If you conquer Gethsemane, then Calvary was easy. He now went to his father. He said, Father, if it is possible, can this cup pass over me? This cup of the iniquity of us all. As Isaiah described that, Graphically in Isaiah 53, you know, <laughs> the father said, no, there's no other way. If you want to help these people, you have, to, you have to die. You have to drink this cup. You have to exchange your righteousness for their iniquity. So that you will become the iniquity of them all. And they will become the righteousness of God. And Jesus Christ came to his disciples and they were asleep. The prayer warriors were sleeping. And he said, oh, Peter, you people have left me alone to agonize. Can't you pray with me? And they were weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh was weak. He went back second time to his father. Father, I know you love me. All my life I've never disobeyed you. I've lived to please you. But this one thing, 
to carry the sins of this whole world. All the abortion, all the drunkenness, all the fornication, masturbation, pornography, what we are doing in our Bible study, all the covetousness, all the corruption, the wicked things people do. For me to carry that, to drink that cup, so that I can become a curse and a man that must be hung on the tree, the most terrible way to kill a man. Can we not do it other way? The fathers know there's no other way. That time, as he came, he said, Lord, if there is no other way, not my will, not my will, your will be done. And he took the cup and he drank. And as he drank the cup, your iniquity, my iniquity, your sins, he became sin for us. God poured the sins of this world into Christ. That Christ became the emblem and the embodiment of the sin of the whole world. And in exchange, that we can become the righteousness of God. So that as many as receive him, to them God give the privilege to become what? The sons and daughters of God. From that moment Jesus was, heaven was quiet. As they, were, they took my master, they slapped him, they spit in his face, he carries his cross, he falls down, they ship him, blood oozing all the way on that hot sun Friday to Calvary. And they hang him there. The creator of the universe, the giver of life. He was just, they just, they just killed him. They lay hands on the one that gives life. And he said, it is finished. And once he said it is finished, people like Paul, they now understood something. That the reason why Jesus died was so that we can have opportunity to be alive. That if he had not taken our place to die, we were the ones that should have died. Because for the wages of sin is death. And since he has bought us and purchased us by redemption, it is only proper and fitting that we will serve him all the days of our life. It is a cheating and robbery to take this body and to live the rest of our lives for ourselves. So that is the understanding that Paul looks at. That the love of Christ, it gives me no option. The reason why I'm standing here this morning or afternoon, if you're already in the afternoon, is because I have no option. If he had not called me to come, I would be going somewhere else. There's no space for me now by the grace of God that if there's any one thing to do is to live for Jesus. Is to serve him. He deserves my all. That hymn say, love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. Where the whole realm of nature mine Thou were a present far too small Love so amazing, so divine Demands my soul, my life, my all Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast Save in the cross of Christ my Lord all the vain things that charm me most my sacrifice them to his blood my brother I don't know the things that are charming you I don't know the things that are deceiving you in this world this world is passing away Everything in it is on the way. It's going around and it's coming back. There's nothing new under the earth. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Lay treasures in heaven. Prepare for going home. Sacrifice everything at the cross. Put it at Jesus' feet. Exchange it for eternal pleasure. Exchange it for riches in heaven. All the things we see, fashion, 
money, inheritance, property, they are passing away. This my friend that died, he couldn't even say goodbye to the wife. His bank account, everything. The car was, somebody had to drive their car home and go and hand over the key to their wife. The wife had been calling the mobile phone the whole day, no answer. Only for some of his old mates in Accra Academy or so to appear at home and say, your husband is already at Kolobu. He has left all the property. I don't know what you are laboring for. I don't know what you are living your life for. I don't know what this life is all about. I don't know whether you can carry them home. Paul told his disciple Timothy, he said, godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing to this world. And certainly, certainly, we will go with nothing. Naked we came. Naked we will go. So what must we do? What is Ecclesiastes and what is Solomon advising us? What is all this life about? Is to fear God and to do His will, to please Him, to worship Him and to serve Him all the days of our life. Not all of us will have the opportunity to be a full-time minister. We are not asking you to resign your job. I am a lecturer in the university. But whether you are a lecturer, whether you are a lawyer, whether you are a market woman, whether you are a physician, whatever you are, it's just a platform to serve God. It's just a platform to live for Jesus. It's to be an ambassador and a missionary. And that's what I want to conclude this morning. As we are going to look at the verse 1920. 20, Therefore Paul said, If anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 17. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is it, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Help me tell your neighbor, you are Christ's ambassador. You are a minister. You are honorable. Do you know you are honorable? <laughs> One day I was traveling with my wife. We got to the airport. And uh, I asked to fill the immigration form. And she says, I don't know what to write. <laughs> and you know, because she's, she has responded to the call of God, she has resigned her job. So she's a full-time uh, missionary serving God. So, and there's no place to write. <laughs> so I say, you are a minister. So say, you are honorable minister. <laughs> they say, what is that? I say, you are honorable minister of reconciliation. I took the paper and I wrote it there. I wanted the immigration officer to ask so that I can have opportunity to preach the word of God. <laughs> they look at it. They didn't. <laughs> Do you know that you are honorable minister of reconciliation? That God has given you the word of God. The gospel. That from this act temple, you will be a light to your world. You will be the salt to this earth. That in your workplace, in your profession, in your family, in your neighborhood, it is not senior pastor that is coming there to preach. That you will stand there and shine. You will stand there and preach the gospel and bring many, many people. I don't know how many people we brought to church today. It already tells us that we are not doing the work of reconciliation. If from Monday to Friday, you have not been able to speak to a soul. You are not doing well. You are not doing well. You are not doing well at all. And you have what it takes. You can just call a small party in your house. Just give some sobolo and some this thing. There are small boys in your neighborhood. If you call them, they will come and drink. If you don't know how to preach, call me. <laughs> I will come. Or call senior pastor. After they have eaten and drunk, somebody will bring a short exhortation. Somebody will just share a life testimony and then they will be blessed and somebody will be saved. It's not as difficult as you think. If you purpose to live for Jesus, there are many opportunities to live for Jesus Christ. I want to bring my sermon to a close, but I want to warn you from Luke chapter 12 uh, in case, I'll just read it and then I'll like you to pray. In case your life 
is revolving around that. Because that is what does not allow us. I give you an assignment to go and read the whole of Luke chapter 12. Uh, because as I was reading it yesterday night, I was, I repented again. I was begging God, oh God, have mercy on me. You know, if you look at verse 13, going, you can read everything, but he said, one of the people in the crowd, somebody is asking in his heart, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Help me tell your neighbor, the life of man does not consist of the abundance of the things he has. Nobody would define you by how many clothes you have. Nobody would define you by how many cars you have. Nobody defines you by the properties you own. No. The life of a man does not consist of the abundance of the things he has acquired. Some of the things we acquired, we lost them. During this financial case, if not the president in mercy decided to, <laughs> to, to intervene. I know some of us now, we have lost a lot of money. One professor came to my office and she was basically in tears. He said, all my life, all that I've worked for, I put it in wet, uh, Midlands Savings and Loans and everything is lost. And he's about to retire. He's retiring in July. And her pension and everything, she picked it from, uh, I don't know whether it was uh, another uh, <laughs> uh, treasure bills or so, and went and gave it to Midlands. And when that issue happened, everything is gone. I pray that maybe because the president has intervened, he may have received something. But imagine that all your life, everything you have labored and it in uh, men's gold because you are greedy. You love money. You will not bring it to the church. You will not take it for missions. You, will, you, 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 are, you want to pile up and pile up. And some greedy bastards have taken that money for party. And you are not crying. People are dying for that. Imagine you put everything in, in property, bought land, land, land. You've gone to court over land for 10 years. When are you going to stop? I was talking to one brother about two weeks ago. He's been fighting over one land for about six years. And the man that he's fighting with is an unbeliever. And he's ready to kill him. So we start with a brother. Do you want to die? You have a house you are living in. This other land, let it go. If I tell you how many land I have lost. <laughs> and I'm still here. And I have a house I'm living in. Why do you want to own all the land in Akrana? Why do you want to die for land? Where are you carrying that land? If you are using it for missions, we will, then we will understand that you, you want to help that land for missions. But if it's just for your children and for, so that you, you have money and you are not rich towards God, I beg you, reconsider. Evaluate your life. As I want to conclude, you saw this man, the instruction that Jesus is giving you, he said, beware of greed. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? You have no room. Your business is doing well. Your money is coming. You now you have five different accounts. You have Ecobank. You have uh, Stanchart. You are opening. You are so wondering, how do I even manage this property? You bring it to us. The church will manage it for you. We need, we need money for source. There's never a time I travel to the north and I don't see that. We need money. Islam is taking over all the three northern regions. They are using their money to win souls. They are giving scholarships to people to go to Saudi Arabia, Turkey. And you are here, you have money. And million and sitting down there. What is it for? Why can't you release it to God? For the kingdom of God to prosper. People don't have water to drink. They don't have anything to eat. And this money is wasting. And you are about to die to leave it. I beg you, please reconsider your way. The Bible said, that this man now was saying, my soul. He's speaking to you, so I don't know how a man talks to you, so. <laughs> Look at verse 9, he says, I will say to my soul, so, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, relax, eat, 
drink and what? And be merry. Can you see a man? Do you know that after service, some people go and sit down there, cross their leg, call Ajua, bring me a star, star, star or, or club. And then he's now put his TV on Manchester, Chelsea, and he's drinking. He's drinking, my soul. <laughs> Relax, you have worked. I'm sorry for you. That's what I used to do many years ago when I said I was a Christian. After church, I will now come and sit down and I will take one Guinness, second Guinness, three Guinness. My wife will be complaining, oh, will be talking to us. Ah, what is it? After I've worked so hard, eh? I'm not a drunkard now just to take a bottle of beer. What is it? And many of us, that's our situation. We ourselves, we are presumptuous. We have our own marking scheme. What is how to mark righteousness? In your mind, <laughs> a little wine is nothing. So that's how you are drinking and drinking. Your wife is complaining, no? is talking about it, too. You are not agreeing. Until God had mercy on me. One day, when David God came to me, I cried. <laughs> it was an afternoon. I gathered all the guineas in the fridge. My wife was in the kitchen uh, cutting some onion. I carried them to the kitchen. I started hitting everything together. Said, ah, are you out of your mind? I said, no, 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 no. I will not drink again. Oh, oh God have mercy on me. I pray that God will appear to you. Let God appear to you. Since then, that's it. I've been free. Anytime I sit on the flight and then they are offering you, you know, free wine, red wine, the people sitting beside me, red wine. <laughs> I look at the red wine, white wine, every wine. They drink until they are, they are crazy. <laughs> and then I say, ah, what is in this thing? What is in this thing? When you, you are drinking, if you drink, ah, then, then you see, it's crazy. People are so given up to this kind of thing. They are telling themselves, so they think it's enjoyment. They think it's relaxing. But the Bible says no. Jesus now spoke. And I want to conclude on that verse. He spoke to that man. And said. The, when the man said. My soul. Uh, that's chapter 12. My, now. The, Jesus said. But God said to him. Fool. I pray there's no fool here in Jesus name. This night. Your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things which you have acquired be for? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Verse 23 says, Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Verse 29 says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink nor have any anxiety in mind for those things that the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added of you. Verse 34 is critical. You see what? Where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. My brother and my sister, I'd like to bring my someone to a close. I just felt this afternoon that God will help you to reconsider your life and the purpose of your life. If it pleases God and it should appear to you that you should change course, I pray that you will obey. You will not be the first, you will not be the last and you will not regret to follow Jesus. You will not regret to live for Jesus. Live for him with all that you are, whoever you are. Sometimes we feel that what we are doing is so important that we are not willing to change and to live for Jesus. But as I stand here, I testify by the grace of God that when a man chooses to obey God, you know, David says something that I have taken it for. You see what? I have been young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor the son of the righteous what? Beg for bread. And I have also not seen that. A few years ago when I was growing up as a young man, I had a lot of desires and plans. And I know you have plans. It's not wrong to have plans. But if those plans are not 
so much in line with living for Jesus, you need to discard it. As I was desiring to become rich and to become famous and popular, and I was studying for my PhD in the, in the UK, you know, I never applied for any job. Three jobs I applied for. I wanted to work for the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund or the United Nations. I don't know why I'm so ambitious. So I told myself that I'm so good an economist that these are the jobs that I need to get because I wanted an international position that can pay dollars. Sometimes God allows us also. And I got the job. I applied. They interviewed me from Washington, D.C. via Skype. And they said, you are good and we have hired you. It was a very, it was a very, uh, an answer prayer so, to me. My wife was happy, I was happy. She was pregnant. We had a one boy who was just about two years. So, they sent me all my documents. I flew to the U.S. As soon as I got it, they handed me a diplomatic passport that allows me to travel everywhere in the world without a visa. And I sent an email to everybody that here am I. You know, the way you send an email with your signature. So you don't, I don't need to talk. Once you see the, the address under my email, you'll be wondering, where is this thing coming from? So you see Dr. Chasaka, Research Analyst, Economist, World Bank <laughs> Group, Washington, D.C. So my friend started saying, ah, what do you mean? I said, I'm in the World Bank. Said, How did you get there? This is what we have been dreaming for. Said, and the amount of money was good. A lot of dollars. Very good. I settled down. We, are, we got a house in Maryland. And then I was, and I was telling my soul, my soul, <laughs> rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. This is good. Young man, this is about, I'm talking about 14, 15 years ago. So, I'm now 45. So, that, I was about 30 years then. That's good. That's, the whole world was ahead of me. And I was already calculating how many houses and cars I'm going to buy. And if possible, how many wives I will marry. So, every day I'm going to work, I was happy. I would go and stand in front of the White House. I would take some photographs. And then I would send, my father was so happy. He was telling everybody in the village that my son. <laughs> so, one day, after serious prayer, I watched the, the Passion. The Passion. That movie had just been released not long ago. We watched it. It was around Easter time like that. For the first time, I understood the cross. I understood how much it cost for me to be alive. I cried that day. I was crying. My wife was crying. For me, it meant that everything had to change in my life. I began to pray. Oh God, so does it mean that this is the extent to which you went to save me? Then, what would you have me to do? How can I pay back? I heard God saying, do you really mean to serve me? I said, I would do anything. Then God said, if you would do anything, then even this job that you are doing is not my way. So I said, so what does it mean? He said, you have to be a lecturer. Because before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you. I want to use you among youth and young men among, in the education sector. Can you resign and go and take up a job at the University of Ghana? I said, no. I told my wife. My wife said, no, don't discuss that matter. I called my father. My father said, no, 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 we don't do it like that. <laughs> the whole family. You are the only person that have PhD and you are the only person that have gone abroad. <laughs> Stay there. You can serve God anywhere. <laughs> it took several months of prayer. The thing was, I now lost interest in the job. Anytime I'm going to office, I'm crying. As if somebody is forcing me. Eventually, my wife understood that we need to obey God. And we decided to resign. My resignation was very turbulent. The whole office, they, they, were, they were not agree. I took my flight to the University of Ghana. I took up an appointment, 2007, as a lecturer. I didn't even have <laughs> a car. I was starting taking taxi, trotro, here and there. My wife has come with a baby, two children now. And then we were living in Medina in a small house. And we were obeying God. And I saw contentment. I saw joy in obeying God, even in what looks like poverty. When I look at the salary of the University of Ghana at the time, 
And I look at what I was getting. See, what does this mean? I saw how people like Abraham, how people like Peter, they sacrificed so much to obey God. So I was there. I didn't know that God was preparing something for me. Two years later, I was praying. I said, God, why did you bring me here? And God said, because I want to prepare your life for something. I've never heard a mic before to preach. I don't, I've not gone to Bible school. I don't know the word of God. The little I know is just to help me live small. God said, no, submit yourself to discipleship. Go and be trained and prepare and be my disciple. And how I pick fishermen like Peter, like James, like Matthew and Co. Who were barbarians, who knew nothing. And as they sat down under Jesus to follow him, they became apostles. So I will do with your life. So, I said, how do I go about it? Then God led me to one brother who was a Sunday school teacher in my church, Assemblies of God, and he was a disciple with a correct, impeccable life. One of the few virgins to see a man that is a virgin at around age 28. You know, they are not very common. And he was so authoritative in the scripture. So, I went to him. He was a Sunday. After one Sunday school, I said, brother, the Lord said you can help us. How can we become like you? He said, oh, you want to be like me? Yes, sir. Do you know of a discipleship? I said, what is discipleship? Ah, discipleship classes are taking place in some churches. I go there every week, Tuesday, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. at uh, Jowulu Traffic Light, Dr. Mackinday's house. If you can join me. I said, ah, why not? Then that's how my wife and I went there. We stand down there. That's when we started repenting. That's when all my guineas and my things stopped. <laughs> I thought I was a Christian. I saw that I was not a Christian. That's how I now saw God, my marriage started becoming new. If your marriage is, is struggling, please come to discipleship. Now, I saw how God prepared marriage for my good. I saw how my wife was an, as a blessing. And all of those things happened. By two, three years time, I now became able to stand to teach. And I saw God say, this is why I called you. In that university, I want you to stand there for me. I want you to be a watchman there. The dispensation of the gospel to the youth, I'm committing into your hands. If you will do this, I will be happy. This is my will for you. And that's how I stood there for 10 years. When I decided to obey God, I will hear Africa Developer Bank. They say, we are looking for economists. They will send me an email. I will delete it. USAID people came to me one day. They said, we are giving you $5,000 to be our country economist in Ghana. God said, no, no, no. You can't take that. I take that. Meanwhile, my salary was just about 1000 Ghana. <laughs> but I, I thank God. I thank God. I want to encourage you. I thought I was going to be a poor man. No. God has met all my needs according to riches and glory. We have never begged. I know he's faithful. I want you to buy your head. God is faithful. He who calls us is faithful. Will you examine your life this morning, afternoon? And throw it back into the hands of Jesus. That song we sang, All to Jesus I Surrender. Will you really make that a prayer commitment? That Lord Jesus, I want to re-surrender my life to you. In these times of uncertainty, where anything can happen. Anybody can be diagnosed of coronavirus and we don't know where to end. If it remains one month or two weeks or two years or ten years for me to live. I want to live for you. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm ready to obey. Just talk to the Lord. Make a fresh commitment. In case you are living in disobedience, in case God has been speaking to you clearly and you have been disobeying, will you take a stand to obey God this afternoon? In case you are not clear, will you praise the Lord? I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. Speak to me what to do. Jesus, by me, audition, in
Oh, oh, oh. 